We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Dispatch from the dystopian reality that is Ole Miss Athletics. I'm your host, Justin Sanders. Still getting used to the new catchphrase there. You know, I had a like an hour ago, I was getting home from work and I started thinking about it. I was like, wait, can I remember the thing I said last week? I'm pretty sure that's the same little. Uh, Listen. Yeah, it's like, even if it's different, I don't care. Don't tell me. I think that's what it is. It's all good. Uh, you heard my co host, John Stefanchik, there. On the line, we're talking NFL draft. Four Ole Miss players drafted this year. Talk about some baseball, of course, other various sports topics. I know it's NBA playoff time, NHL playoff time. Let's see, LeBron wins his game seven. It's several game sevens in a row from the tweets I saw. Is that right, John? He's yeah. A, he, he just he just performs in the clutch. That's what he does. I know the Preds won last night, double overtime. What are you saying? So he, he's pretty good in game seven. Yeah, something about that guy. I think he might be a special talent. Check back in a few years. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's what's on the agenda for today. Uh, I, you know, John, what's up, buddy? How you doing? You hit us with that, that weather report. If you got one, 85 degrees midweek, 85, that sounds like where I live. Summer's going to show up for a couple of days. Hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. We're going to be steady sixties. It looks like here in the next couple of weeks. So, all right, let me ask you first before we, uh-huh. before we get into it. Did you expect Ole Miss to have four players drafted? Because I feel like we were fairly dismissive of that possibility hell. last week. Yeah, that's a, that's a hearty hell no for me as Freeland well. Freeland Speaks went 46, and I was like, what? Yeah, that's really high. That's like an actual, not a not just a pick you'd take a flyer on. I mean, that's a, a 46th pick is, is somebody you expect to be if a big contributor. If went undrafted, I would not have blinked. I think, we, me, I think that's what we thought was going to happen on last week's show. Yeah, he goes fourth round. Mm-hmm. Um, Wilkins gets his Wilkins. shot. Congratulations to Jordan Wilkins for going the fifth round. Absolutely, good senior year. Does that kind of somewhat validate the idea that Freeze ran a really stupid running scheme? Yeah, Wilkins I mean, I I think it also I think he's being rewarded right now for staying the course in that academic off year. And I mean, there's a lot of speculation that maybe having one less year of running in the SEC but still being productive his senior year, you know, maybe that makes him a little more attractive to the NFL, a little less. Uh, what we call a revisionist history. Sure, sure. But a little more chill on the tire, I should say. I mean, we, we have to note that he goes higher than Bo Scarborough, the, the physical beast from Alabama. Cowboys took Bo Scarborough seventh round. I love the pick. It's a flyer, but what the hell. If it hits, I mean, it's going to oh, be. He can, I mean, I don't think anyone would be surprised with Bo Scarborough's build if, if he was a successful NFL running back. 
the uh, hell did Darius Geis fall the way he did? I don't care about all the crap. He's a top 15 pick. Where did he go? Where did he go? 59th to the Redskins. He's probably mm. going to run all over the Cowboys this year. Probably so. And, of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention uh, everybody's favorite amateur boxer, Rod Taylor, going in the yeah. seventh round uh, to the Bengals, right? Yeah, he, he, he fits that locker room so perfectly. <laughs> they got a uh, little fight club going on. He, Marvin Lewis, him playing for Marvin Lewis, that's just, you just can't make up how beautiful it is. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess... I guess the question is, what what shocked you the most? Obviously, Breeling went higher than expected, maybe. But, I mean, it's got to be Wilkins, right? I, I, I think he can – how much can Wilkins thank Phil Longo for this, I guess is my real question. I think all four Rod, – Rod Taylor going the seventh round doesn't really shock me. Yeah, it's, it's a big Somebody guy. would look at him and say, ah, I can fix him. The other three – the other three all went higher than I figured. Yeah. I wonder what they see Haynes doing – in in Carolina, do they see him more as a linebacker, uh, you know, a third down rusher? I don't know. He he still seems to be definitely a tweener, as we discussed last week. They've got a package they want to use him in, though. It looks like. I mean, you don't draft a guy in the fourth round without a bit. Yeah, a you would think. I mean, he can play special teams, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, so overall, good, good for these guys. Uh, I mean, you almost wonder if Breland was drafted just because of the meme. I know ESPN, uh, I saw a tweet that was like, remember this guy? He just got drafted in the second round with the little waving after falling on the fumble thing. Mayfield go first overall because of the far, uh, picture. Oh yeah, for sure, dude. I mean, I think it definitely helped his case. What do you, let's talk about that. Let's talk about some of the other high profile picks. Uh, Baker Mayfield going to the Browns. You know they have a great legacy there of uh, drafting quarterbacks and just doing well with them, right? That's definitely going to work out for Baker. I think Baker was. I like the pick because you need that kind of mentality if you're going to turn around the mess of those the Browns. Mm-hmm. They're that screwed up. And the Browns also took uh, Antonio Callaway, right? The so they're kind of they like those troubled wide receivers over there. Callaway, they um, which is very Josh Gordon esque. Landry, they actually got them a. Uh, you kind, you know, I kind of sit here and think, you know, maybe they start putting it together, but then they retain the coach that went. That is, uh, Hugh Jackson's one in thirty one, and he's still a coach. Is that I thought, I thought even last year, and they were doing so bad, they were excited about him, right? Trust the process; he's doing things the right way, or something. That I am I thinking of a different team? I thought that was them. Well. I think he has buy-in from from the ownership, whatever that's worth. He's one in thirty-one as the Browns coach. Just still has a job. I just, well, there's nowhere to go but up when you when you start your career one in thirty-one. All right, enough of that. I'm t- enough of the Browns. Darnold is like a he's like he's literally a board, no personality. <laughs> um, but the Jets is kind of a good spot for him. You kind of need that, uh, sh- you know. Eli's proven like that, you know. Say nothing demeanor can work, and the Jets is probably a little easier spot to do it than the Giants. Um, Giants sticking with Eli, making a short term run. They draft Barkley. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With- I got I got to give you props for that. You, that was your your prediction or your what you thought the Giants should do last week. Yeah, they're going for it. We get them Saquon. I'm a little surprised. The Bills went and got Josh Allen. Like, really? Hmm. 
I'd be surprised if Josh Allen's good. I don't see it. Everybody, you know, some people are saying, oh, Carson Wentz, most school. No, Carson Wentz was a, like a much more regarded prospect than a, Allen. Rosen to the Cardinals. Uh, if Arians was still there, Rosen to the Cardinals would be interesting, but I have no idea if the new coach will be anything. I thought the uh, my favorite pick of the draft, mm-hmm. this is going to sound like New, new England homerism, but Belichick taking Danny Etling in the seventh round. <laughs> He basically said, because people were saying, is he going to draft Lamar Jackson at the end of the first round? At least that was a thing up here for a while. Right. He basically told all these quarterbacks they suck, and I am going to draft Danny Etling to troll all you people, as opposed to draft anybody to, you know, say get a quarterback. It's also kind of a... Danny Danny Etling's going to play slot receiver, right? (laughs) No way. Yeah, I know, I know. That's more fake news. It's just too much fake news. Uh, Facebook needs to get on with their fake news algorithm. They need to improve it. and get that crap off of their news feed. (laughs) Oh, wait, so we got Sonny Michelle at 31 to the Patriots, and then Nick Chubb goes 35 to the Browns. You think Sonny Michelle was a first-rounder? I mean, I think... But I think he fits the pass because he can catch the ball... He'll be versatile. Apparently, Jeremy Hill is a Patriot now. So if you got Hill slamming it Ooh. inside, and Michelle being kind of a scat I do back, like that. I mean, I think Michelle is really, really good. So I'm not going to fault that pick. I mean, I, I I saw him as like a second round, high third guy. I was like, to me as a casual NFL fan, it's so hard to figure out where a running back's going to go because there's so much baggage attached to a running back. You know, yeah, I like him getting drafted above uh, being a great running back isn't all it takes to get drafted. You know, it's, who would you take, Geis or Sony Michelle? Just forget where they actually mm-hmm. went. Honestly, I, would, I like Sony Michelle more in college, but again, that's not the determinant. I thought Geis was as good as Fournette at LSU when he was healthy. I almost think he's a he's a better runner, if you ask me. Hmm. Fournette, let's talk about that. Fournette is so damn talented. I don't think he ever really had to fully develop vision as a running back. Right. No, I, I, I don't think he did in college, that's for sure. Which, on the flip side, if he de- if he continues to develop out the next couple of years, then God knows what he could become, you know? Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Notable draft picks. Let's see here. Calvin Ridley to Atlanta. Well, Alabama uh, themed passing attack there with Julia. Yep. Um, he said Lamar Jackson going to the Ravens. Yep. So how much longer is Flacco their QB? That's interesting. He got a. Is this is this his contract year? Because he got he won the Super Bowl in twelve. Mm-hmm. Got, I think, a six-year deal, so 13, 14. Yeah, this is his contract year. This is last year of his extension, so it's kind of a, uh, you know, you could play him, be competitive this year, and then if he's good, you either retain him or trade, or, well, or let him walk, and then Jackson's the guy, so. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to watch. Carry on Johnson from Auburn, 43 to the Lions. I mean, could be a good pick. I like the way he runs. He's either going to be a bust or really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. He, he, I think there's a shot he's a bust, but I, but I like him as a player. 
What do you think about Christian Kirk at forty seventh? A little low. I feel Who like there uh, the Cardinals. I feel like there was there weren't any wide receivers taken highly this year at all. I think Christian Kirk is like a really good number two in the NFL. So, so Calvin this, Ridley was the first one off at twenty six. I, I have to think AJ goes before twenty six next year. What do you think? Um, he's better than Treadwell. Definitively, he's a step faster. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean AJ in the teens, maybe. With I don't know, receivers don't seem to get drafted much higher than twentieth anymore. Very uh, voluminous. Wasn't uh, weren't there a few drafted higher than that last? Or not last year? Two years ago in the Treadwell draft. No, uh, Treadwell. That the like the first guy I think was Coleman at twentieth. There was a rash of them right around the. The low 20s of that draft. Right, right. I know Trevor was at the third one off the board or something like that. Um, yeah, you're right. Coleman was the first one at 15. And then uh, Fuller, Doxon, Trebwell, 21, 22, 23. So, Corey Coleman. I mean, I, I think AJ's at least as good in college as Corey Coleman. We'll see. Um, sticking to this year's draft, though. Going down this list a little more. Hmm. I mean, I could AJ could easily have like a monster year and be like a top twelve pick. For sure. Sorry for the dead air, guys. My computer is being slow. That never happens. Um, a lot of Georgia flavor on the list. I see Martinez Rankin from Mississippi State, 80 to the Texans. Yeah, uh, let's congratulate uh, Hugh Freeze for backing away from Martinez Rankin to go secure Drew Richmond. Uh, yeah. That really worked. Good, good memories for sure. Love that. Nothing better than that uh, 2015 recruiting cycle with uh, Drew Richmond and CC Jefferson. I mean that that was really the golden age of uh, Hugh Freeze's dumbass recruiting. Classic. It is amazing how all or nothing Hugh Freeze was. Yeah, I mean that was that was his whole strategy. Hey, you look back. I think it's a little, the longer this goes, the more we look back. We just sit there and go, "Holy shit!" Like it was so close, and then fell apart. And yeah, but he actually, but he had. Some, I mean, four four guys got drafted this year, so they had some talent on the team. But then they had a couple. There's yeah, holes of deficiency that just prevented them from being able to do anything. I guess the question that remains to be answered is: is just if you're trying to win titles, SEC titles, at a school like Ole Miss, is the way to do it the way Freeze did it, where you get some top talent and you just pray that the rest of the guys kind of hold together long enough to work out, which it almost did a couple of years, um, but still, you know, so close yet so far away. Or is it better to build and build and, and go three stars and four stars and try to build a, a deep team? I don't know. I mean, I think that that's still the jury is out on that one. And in recent modern history, Freeze got the closest with his, you know, Icarus method of recruiting. So I don't know. I, I At the same time, though, I, I balk at the, the whole Ole Miss lost the best coach they've ever had. And it's all because of the incident and all that blah, blah, blah. I mean – Freeze proved. Uh, yeah. Freeze proved why he wasn't. 
you know, the best coach Ole Miss has ever had when he got fired for that dumb shit he got fired for. I mean, that's just – his program was unsustainable because he was the one running it. And he proved that in uh, um, bold fashion, I guess you could say. His very public demise. Um, moving right along, I see Southern Miss player running back to the Falcons at 126 something. Oh, what? Yeah. Good for good for them. Uh, this is just an aside, John. But did you see? I was reading uh, up on the candidates for the Ferris Trophy, which is like the best baseball player in Mississippi. And we'll transition to baseball soon because I think draft talk is kind of losing steam quickly. But uh, did you see what I said in the group that there is a Delta State player? That has, and I want to get this right. I believe it is 28 home runs this season. It's impressive. I mean, maybe a park. Yeah. I guess any pitching, though, that's insane. Who knows? Say it again. What'd you say? I'm I'm, I'm saying, uh, you know, maybe it's a talented guy that's at Delta State because of grade issues or something. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's. That's got to be one possibility. That's just that's insane. I mean, the leader on our team is Dillard with ten, I think. Obviously, the pitching's a little bit different. There. Jeez. Okay, I think maybe I think maybe we know why my computer's being slow. That draft website I was looking at had uh, one hundred seventy-two blocked ads on ad blockers. So let's just let's go to that page. Kill that. You got a little bit of static. So yeah, I think it might be a performance issue here. Sorry, listeners. Hopefully. Uh, That'll. This is two. This is two weeks in a row. We don't have sufficient internet in Mississippi, so I don't think it. it's the internet. I think it's more my computer I'm using to record on. So if anybody wants to, uh, you know, start that Kickstarter, um, send me a new computer to record the show. Go right ahead. Or actually, I'll just I'll just put it on our on our corporate card, John. I'll just go ahead and take that corporate card. Yeah, I'll expense it to. Uh, Landstrikes After Dark LLC, which does not exist. Please don't go register that before we do. I don't think we're ever going to do it, but still. Um, all right, so what? Should we get into baseball, John? You got anything else you want to say about the draft? I feel like we, we exhausted it. You mentioned people that say Freeze is the best yeah. coach Ole Miss ever mm-hmm. had, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, to be, we were all pretty firm on the Andy Kennedy's a good coach bandwagon, and it's incredibly early and. I don't know. You can probably mark this mark this statement down. Come back, mm-hmm. throw it in my face later. But Kermit Davis appears to be proving that there are other good coaches pretty quick, and you can get player, you can get interest in Ole Miss. He's been pretty, from what I can tell, pretty damn successful to start off his tenure. Yeah, I mean, I think I think so far there's no indication that Davis is going to not be successful at Ole Miss. There's a lot of there's a lot of encouraging early signs. With his recruiting and uh, just generally the way things have gone, keeping current players that we want, apparently, to the best of our knowledge, uh, engaged and willing to work with him. And he seems like a legit coach. I like the staff he put together. Um, I guess that the obvious question there, if Kermit Davis proves that AK is the only coach that can win at Ole Miss, is how bad did Ole Miss mess up the search to hire Matt Luke? How much of it was coaches had no interest in coming? Uh, And also, I mean... Maybe the next coach that's going to have the freeze level success at Ole Miss just wasn't out there this year in the in the whole coaching carousel. It seemed like a pretty thin class um, of candidates, and they were all highly sought after. There were so many schools with openings, so 
I don't know. I guess my question is, did Ole Miss just completely bungle Hugh Freeze's replacement? And that's more the problem than the fact that Hugh Freeze was so uh, good. I, kind of a circuitous I, way to ask it. There's different ways to look at this. Mm-hmm. Luke is an Ole Miss guy. He's a good rebel. He's a good not, rebel. Not just an Ole Miss guy. He's from Mississippi. So there's that element. And then you look at Kermit Davis. He's from, I mean, Kermit's from the South, but he's, I mean, well, he, he went to state. He coached at middle for all those years. He's a coach that's coming in and knows enough to communicate with these guys. But at the, like I said, at the end of the day, he's a coach. Mike Bianco, outsider, comes in, builds the program. He's a coach at the end of the day. So, but the thing is, is the sports that these guys, I think basketball and baseball, you have different, let's say, um, they're two and three to football. Football carries so much more weight on Ole Miss's campus and prestige mm-hmm. and is the core of, I mean, and is the core of alumni relations and big big booster donations that it's really critical that it's bigger. I think they're judged on different merits, to be frank. Yeah, it's definitely a sliding scale that they're judged on. You're right. So I think it's you can you can be an outsider much easier with basketball and baseball than you can football. Hmm. Now, if you come in and win as win win as an outsider in football, you'll be adopted, but never quite, never quite to the level, so to say. I mean, Bianco's. Well, I don't know. If Bianco was an Ole Miss alum, he'd be. You wouldn't hear all this fire Bianco crap. But he wins enough to where I think it's easier to to squelch with the key boosters. On I baseball. don't know. I think. I think. I mean. I think anybody saying fire Bianco is just kind of being a contrarian. And I think any coach would get that level. I don't think there's ever been any serious talk among money people or boosters about replacing Bianco. Maybe like, I think the end of 13, there was a, there was a discussion. I mean, it was a, well, that, that would have been oh, a spectacular oh, failure. Fun parallel. Okay. Cause Mike, Mike just got his contract rolled over a year. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an extension or anything. It was basically, we we're going to kind of, um, kick the can down the road for a year. How did Mike respond? He finished high for third in the country. Andy Kennedy did not get a year added onto his contract. How did he respond? Panicked. Coaching changes. Bruce Stevens, this season goes up in flames. Hugh Freeze got a contract extension. What did he do? Lose $16 million because he didn't eliminate all the phone numbers off of subpoena. So, I mean. Off of, off of subpoena. You can take the boy out of the South, but. I mean, my goodness! How do you do that? What a the, the literal. There should be like a sociopath documentary on you freeze. It would be fascinating. Oh yeah, absolutely. I oh oh, and you know you know what freeze is doing now, right? Like he's going all over Mississippi, he's talking to like these small churches and stuff. He's at Matt Ensel's wedding. I saw really, that. like at Upora and stuff. I would love for a film crew to be with Freeze right now, like while he's trying to get back into coaching and like just record the sheer delusion that that he says every day i'm sure to the people around him i mean while he's not busy you know dming other rival fans that disagree with him yeah just just a very very um hmm. is he coaching in the sec next year unique person no i don't think so i mean you read that article about how sankey blocked him at alabama right does he have to sit out for the year or two then come back as a coordinator or an assistant or something 
I think he needs to go coach somewhere else, whether it's like an NAIA school again or like a fun belt or even. Do you believe Saban wanted to hire him to be OC? I don't know. That was an AL.com report, right? I think that's. I, I would think that's a valid report. Generally, I, I think they're pretty well sourced in that state. I would think that's a valid statement. I'll tell I think Saban wanted to hire him because Saban has supreme confidence that no one is capable of messing up the program that he's established. And so if he could get any tiny competitive advantage, <laughs> I'm serious. If he get any tiny competitive advantage, I don't think he has any qualms about hiring whoever. I mean, he hired Butch. I don't think Saban really cares. He it, Honestly, it probably would have been the same deal. They said co-OC, right? That's the part of the report that I questioned the most because I feel like if Saban was going to hire him, it would be at least partially to humiliate him the way he has Butch, but I don't know. It's hard. It's hard it, to figure out what Saban really wants or cares about, other than winning. He's a kind of a black they, box. I don't think Saban's going to hire a bad football coach, though. He hired Butch. We, <laughs> what are you talking about? What's Butch's job there? What's he's he like uh, he like drives the team van or something. It's like some some really lowly stuff, like an analyst or something like that. Oh uh, well, that's different than like a position. I mean, right? If he was really gonna hire Freeze for coc, you have to think he respects him as a coach. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing just to bring him in to be on the staff. Like Lane Kiffin was hired. Lane had baggage, but Lane Kiffin, from a X's and O's offensive standpoint, is a fantastic football coach. Nobody yeah. questioned. Yeah, I mean, he made Jonathan Crompton look competent at Tennessee. He's a damn good uh, offensive coordinator, that's for sure. FAU going to win the national championship next year? Uh, they're going to take UCF's crown. Let's so. do it. Let's do it. I love that. That's perfect. I want. I got to pull up FAU's schedule now, just out of morbid curiosity. Um. I feel like there was something I was going to ask. Ooh, yeah, we talked about this before. They play Oklahoma on September 1st. Love it. Uh, first first game replacing Baker Mayfield. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. That's so they put the Wisconsin this past year, and they were they get beat by a couple touchdowns, I believe. Yeah, but this is year two of Lane. They're going to be they're going to be much Keep improved. Back. Yep. Yep. They're yep. Is he there? Is he there this time next year? Hmm, no, I think he he gets out after this season. I wonder where he goes. That'd Assuming they do well. Immediately a fan of that team. Absolutely. Let's get let's get Leach to the NFL. Let him go to Wazoo. It's perfect. Um. There was something I was going to say, and it escapes me now. Um, I'm so disappointed Michael just didn't get hired at Tennessee. Like, that would have been the best. Oh, I know. I know. It would not have lasted more than two years. But. It would have been great to watch, though. Yep. Yeah. That, that, we, we don't deserve that. That's why it didn't happen. Um, the SEC doesn't deserve that kind of fun. Um, it's all about being a good old boy. Why? Wow, that's why they went and got Kirby Smart at Georgia. He's a Georgia dog. He's a good dog. All right. Well, let's talk baseball. Uh, we already talked last week about the Governor's Cup since we recorded on a Wednesday. It is Monday. 
uh, off a two and one series against LSU. Had a real chance of losing the series after winning fourteen to three on Friday night, but. I mean, at this point in the season, close games, a win's a win. I mean, the team has consistently won the close games enough to the point where I don't think you can say, you know, they're they're getting lucky or scraping by. I mean, it's just in this team's DNA to come back and do whatever they have to do to win. They were down in the seventh on that Sunday or that Saturday game three, uh, put up five runs. Uh, bullpen, you know, it wouldn't be the Ole Miss bullpen that we've known lately if they weren't a little shaky, but Caracy got the job done to win the series. I thought Caracy threw it better Saturday. I thought he threw it well. It was it was a weird day with that zone. That that umpire in particular, Ole Miss has had problems with them in the umpire, past. There's bad, and then there's that umpire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I learned his name, but I from Morris something or yeah. He's, uh, yeah, that's the guy. Whenever I see him back there, I just go, oh god, here we go. Because he's, he's not going to be very consistent with that zone. Um, Maneri was heated, man. I got to tell you, there's no coach in the SEC I despise more than Paul Maneri. It's some sort of a animalistic instinct inside of me when I see him or I see him get mad. Or if I see him get happy, that's even worse. Just like, God, I hate this guy. Oh, I know what I was going to say, John. I got a question for you, but go on. But I want to hear what you think about Maneri. I really don't have a problem with him. He's just another coach to me. Nah, dude, he's a little weasel. He's a he's a little LSU. All the LSU players. I mean, I I people always say that the rivalry with LSU is fun or whatever. I don't feel that way in baseball. I've always hated the uh, the LSU baseball team ever since I've been going to Ole Miss games and seen them play. I just uh, something about it, dude. They're they're cocky. They're good generally. Not so much this year, uh, especially in the field and the bullpen. Jeez, they uh. They had some real uh, low low lights, I'd say, especially in that Thursday game. Ole Miss wins fourteen to three, puts up eleven runs in the sixth inning, I believe. Two of the three outs were Thomas Dillard striking out, which is pretty hilarious. Um, just not the best LSU team. We were talking before the show that they're they're going to miss the tournament. It would seem, uh, unlike Mississippi State, that kind of started out the season really rocky and has put together some decent wins, really good wins actually. Um, during SEC play, LSU has just continued to to be not good. They have good starting pitching, but other than that, and obviously they have some hitters because they're LSU. But other than that, it's uh, got a lot of holes in that team, and I think they're only going to get worse with tops going away in Louisiana. But we'll see. Here's my question, John. Friday, and the game Ole Miss loses. Mm-hmm. I'm not there, but I'm reading reports online. Apparently, in Oxford. Ole Miss versus LSU, it is Skip Bertman Appreciation Day. You know about this? They did a skip. Wait, what? Yeah. So, Skip Bertman sitting behind home plate. They, 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 it's a big celebration of Skip Bertman. Apparently, Bianco comes on the video board, talks about how Skip Bertman taught him how to be a coach and how happy he is to be able to have his mentor there to see the program that he built basically what? using the Bertman model. How do, you, Why how do you feel about that? Day happening in Oxford. Well, I think it's probably Bianco's call. Would be my guess. But you know, you know, Bjork is is gonna rubber stamp whatever cutesy bullshit anyone suggests to him. Well, Bjork's stupid because Bjork had Tommy Tuberville do exactly. the RU. Exactly, exactly. So this is really Bjork. no different from that. I mean, okay, if I'm being honest, if it was all Bianco's call and he legitimately wanted to honor his mentor that helped him build what we all appreciate as a good program. It doesn't really bother me, but the fan reaction has been very negative, and I, I question 
how much of it would be the reaction no matter what. Probably a decent amount of it. But I also think some of it is just everything the administration does. Us as frustrated fans, we're just going to criticize it. I don't know. I don't know. It's okay to me if it's a Bianca I thing. Think, I think the intention's good. Mike wanting to um, right to honor, you know, to pay to tip his cap to Bertman. I'm fine right. with right. You know, I hadn't thought about it this way. Bianco is an LSU grad. Mm-hmm. Kermit Davis, MSU grad. It'd be funny if they, I mean, Bianco's gotten him to Omaha. Kermit Davis, like, got him to the Sweet 16 in a couple of years or something. It'd be like, you know, you got to go to the rival rival school to get a coach, to get, his, to get you in. <laughs> no, that's, he yeah. under the shirt ball and he went to Dirty Southern Miss. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, Matt Luke's the only good Rebel on staff, and he could have. Mm, there, mm, there probably would have been a different way of doing it. I would not have put. I, mean, I get what Mike's going for there, right? And I mean, and I mean, regardless, even though LSU is Ole Miss's rival, present uh, it Skip Bertman a, a jersey before the game probably would be better. I'm not sure on the timing. As I said, I wasn't there. I was only reading about this later on message boards. Um, but Bertman Don't is a legend in the game. Acknowledge him during the game. Mm-hmm. Just kind of say, "Hey, Skip Bertman's here." My, if hell, if Mike wants to do a little thing you before know, the before the game makes sense, and we'll mention Ole Miss did lose that game. You could take it, you know. Here's something, blah blah blah. Now we're gonna sure. go beat your ass on the field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like like when Mike, like when um, when LSU honored the whatever the ninety two ninety three title uh, championship team, the whole LSU team got together. Ole Miss was playing them in Alex Box and. Bianca was on the team. Like they said, Mike Bianco. He came out of the dugout. He tipped his cap, went back. Like they, they, they acknowledged Mike before the game, and right. everybody applauded. And hey, we love to remember that team. And then, then it was a baseball game. But I, yeah. and I could, I could also see Bianco wanting to host Bertman for an LSU series in Oxford, a school record-setting attendance <laughs> series. I will say. I mean, this is the program that Mike built. There was none of that before he got there. All of that makes sense, I, and maybe, and if he did it before the game, and everybody's pissing and muttering about that, then you yeah, know it's probably it. a little bit. That's oh. a little bit much, but I'm not sure when it was. It could have been during the game. I'm not sure. If it was like a fourth inning video highlight, yeah, I can see mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to get your opinion on it. It was it was definitely a hot point of debate amongst the Ole Miss fan base this past weekend. I mean, beat beat. Be content that you're in a position where you can, you know, that you're good enough program where it means something to honor Skip Bartman. Right. That's my- and also a good enough program where you're hosting LSU and you're favored, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, that's what I mean, happened. Derek Jeter's last at bat was in Fenway Park. Right. Exactly. He got a standing ovation exiting the game. So, like. Yeah, and Bartman is kind of a, a transcendent legend in the college baseball scene for sure. Anyway, yeah. Oh well. So uh, on to on on that the the school record attendance thing. I'm not. I'm sure you don't. You're not extremely online, uh, like I am. So I don't know if you saw the tweets, but so like a lot of state fans were really butthurt about the the whole attendance record, and then also Richard Cross apparently said on the air, and this is what's really funny is state fans started tweeting about something that was said during an Ole Miss broadcast, but he mentioned that Ole Miss had the highest average attendance. Uh, or the second highest last year behind LSU, which is true. I mean, 
State never has the top one or two average attendance. You know, they have the high points. They get 15,000 people in the stands to play Ole Miss on Super Bulldog weekend or whatever. And if you look at the Wikipedia page, they own all the attendance records. But their average attendance is a little bit less. You know, they just don't have as as big of a fan base that's going to buy season tickets and travel week in and week out, especially when they're down, like, in a year like this. Um, but they were they were heated about it, man. Like, it's, it's crazy uh, – they, they they want every little participation trophy, moral victory they can get, you know, whether it's playing for a national title or attendance records or any of that stuff. It, it's all the way to score points against Ole Miss. I just think it's funny. It doesn't matter. Obviously not. Half their stadium you can't even sit in right now. So like, oh, and it looks not- like shit. The unfinished stadium looks really bad. So. Yeah, maybe they'll beat us in average attendance next year. I mean, they got one and they got three and one in the. In the season series, you would think that would be enough for him. Uh, what? They're they're so trained to be petty, right? Exactly. And I'm not saying. Everyone's like, "Oh, you're saying that as an old Miss alum." You know what? Just anybody being petty, programmed to be that petty. We can we can be petty sometimes, but it's it's the guiding north star of of old Miss. I mean, Mississippi State fans, at least on Twitter. Really would rather go like seven and five, win the Egg Bowl, and we and just be petty the whole time as opposed to like. Well, no, that's the you can do it with baseball, right? Just ask them would they would they trade seasons with Ole Miss right now? Any fan that says no is a pathetic loser because all they have over Ole Miss is one extra win against Arkansas, and then winning three to one in the head to head series. Obviously, Ole Miss has had the better season and is in the better position for the postseason. And uh, but I, I think I think most state fans would say no. They want two out of three in Starkville, and they want to win the Governor's Cup. Those things are super important to them, you know, because a lot of them live here, and that's the that's how they you know feel better than their boss or whatever. They can walk around the Dick Sporting Goods and Pearl with their state hat and feel better about themselves. And thank God. Let's talk about uh, the lineup in Game Three on Saturday. Because I liked it a lot. You got Olenek back from injury, batting second, playing uh, second base. Jacob Adams out of the game. You got oh, Tim yeah, playing right. Yeah, Tim Rowe and Wright batting ninth. I mean, it's interesting because a lot. I think a lot of us have been saying with Tim Rowe's resurgence, uh, had a lot of big hits, was instrumental in the uh, seventh inning to win game three. He he followed up uh, a Keenan double with a double of his own. Really got the train going. Um, I think a lot of us have been saying with Cockrell cooling off, Rowe being a lefty, Cockrell being a righty, you can platoon them at DH. And I still think that's a good plan, but this might work even better. I mean, I was pretty worried about having Tim Rowe's defense out in right field, uh, but he's he's been surprisingly competent, and I think you always have the option in that situation of putting Adams out in right field late in the game or someone like Michael Spears, or I think what they ended up doing was moving Olenek back out to right field. Yeah, that's what they did. They moved Olenek to right field, put Adams in at second. Um, so I think maybe you keep you keep playing with this as long as it's working because Rowe is just on fire right now. Um, and obviously Olenek has to, be in the, has to be in the lineup when he's healthy. So yeah. as long as Olenek can play a good second base, which we've always been told that's one of his strongest – strengths is his utility all over the field um i like it a lot i think it has a ton of offensive potential yeah and not to knock not- adams i think adams is going to be a great player in his career at Ole Miss, and he's done a lot of good things this year adams a freshman or juke he's a fresh oh you're, you might be right there actually let me check because um, keen 
freshman. You're right. He is. He is a JUCO. He's from Crowder College. So he's got another year, I would assume. Mm-hmm. He'll be good next year. Yeah, I would think. He's good this year. He'll be should be better next year. He's a junior. So I'll say it. You may not agree with this, but knock on wood, outfield defense has been fine this year. Yeah. the goal the ball first game of the yep, season yep yep i probably overreacted to that a little bit they've been pretty good i mean they're no lsu outfield they're no mississippi state outfield making those sports Tom, Tom catches. a little bit awkward but you know what they make the plays they need they're, they, they're doing what they have to do um and then the, the infield defense is really good uh especially on the left field on the left side and i mean i like zabowski's defense at first a lot probably second base has been the only even close to question mark on the infield defense and it's been good uh, with Adams and Olenek out there. So, yeah, I mean, the defense has been good ever since Cooper Johnson kind of exited the lineup at catcher. <laughs> the defense has been pretty solid all around. Fortez. I mean, everybody talking about how good Cooper was. No, Fortez is great. Fortez is a great catcher. It, it, it's death taxes and, and Bianco and Lafferty having a good catcher. Mm-hmm. is pretty much a lock. I guess particularly from a defensive side. I mean, they've had a hell of a run at catcher. Let's let's think of this. They have uh, Will Allen, Stuart Turner before that. Will Allen, and Lartigue after Allen. Um, I mean, Austin Lart- Knight was a good catcher. Yeah, fifteen, whatever. Um, Sixteen, you had Lartigue. That's who I was forgetting. Mm-hmm. And then now you got Fortez. I mean, yeah. they always put a damn catcher out there. It, they know how to scout it. So. Mm-hmm. Um, what do we what do we have to say about the bullpen? They they worked out better this weekend for whatever reason. Uh, the starters looked good. He didn't quite get get him in the game quick enough. But congratulations to Mike Bianco. He used Will Etheridge once, and he went and he gave you a lot of outs. Yep, and it worked out perfectly. Uh, Feigl had a great day, wasted in the loss, unfortunately. But Rollison also had a really good day. Um, he went back in the game after sitting for that entire 11th run, sixth inning. Um, I mean, that's the key, right? MacArthur, not, not a good outing for him. You really, you want all three guys to be on in a weekend more than they're, than they're not. But Feigl and Rollison having extended outings like seven innings or more. I mean, that's definitely a big key to success with the current state of the bullpen, right? Yeah. I mean, that was kind of the formula for how a weekend works is you have um, Rollison. You have the offense show up Friday night. Rollison goes seven innings. You can bring in, you know. Chaffee, Miller. I think. Yeah, they use Chaffee or someone on Friday or Thursday. The second game, Figo gives you six or seven. I think he, did, he went eight in, in, in this game, right? I wasn't able to watch. He go eight innings? I thought he went pretty deep in this one. Maybe one of his better games of the year, but Ole Miss just couldn't score. And then, you, and then basically, Etheridge is the long relief guy for between Feigl and MacArthur, who doesn't get like past the fourth inning. They seem to alternate who has a short outing between the two of them. Which, to be fair, that's kind of how baseball's going to yeah. work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Etheridge, and then the end of it's kind of what do you you know what do you do? You got Crazy at the end. I think Hol- Holston's trustable. And beyond that, you're really kind of you're thin on options. 
Yeah, I think the hope is that, you know, your your Chaffees and your Austin Millers and your Fowlers can keep kind of picking up confidence and maybe you, you need one in a big postseason situation and they're able to come up with it. Um, they maybe, definitely have had their moments. Come back and be, you know, something near what he was. Yeah, if Roth can get healthy and get back in the rotation, um, now that I think the last midweek game is this week against Pine Bluff, um, and then maybe be your fourth starter in a in a regional situation. Uh, that would be huge for this team. Yeah. I tell you what, man, I'm still really nervous about hosting a regional with Southern Miss in it because they're damn good. I think they're 16 and four in their conference. I, uh, yeah. The, the buzzards coming to Oxford. That would be, that's, that gives me, that gives me a little anxiety for sure. And I, I think they're going to be in our regional from everything I've read. There's going to be some tight assholes in Swayze Field. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely how it feels from where I'm sitting as well. Um, I I think what we, what we hope for is that Southern does something stupid, like throws their midweek guy in game one to try to save for Ole Miss, and then they lose and they end up in the losers bracket. Oh, you know, it's way too early for any of that. But um, left on the table at South Carolina, Auburn at home at Alabama. Am I getting that right? I think that's right. Yep. Auburn series is critical. Yeah, that's a huge RPI opportunity. I'm not going to go through the weeds because if you want to hear the weeds, uh, Chase Parm on his podcast today did it. Mm-hmm. They did a good job. But basically, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Georgia, Auburn are five through eight RPI. If Ole Miss beats Auburn, they would have won the series against Arkansas, Georgia, and Auburn. All of the kind of the other and contenders. A and M's top twenty, so that as well. Beat A and M, they're pretty much there at that point. They get to 18 conference wins, and they and that includes two against Auburn. And, and if you look at the home record, I think they've lost three times at home: Tennessee, LSU, and uh, Georgia. Uh, Georgia, Arkansas. It's four. Arkansas four. So it's four. Four losses on the season at home. Uh, if you have you know any type of thoughts of Omaha, if you can get that national seed. And then find a way through a regional. You start feeling better, I feel like, after you get out of the regional because then you get a three-game series in Oxford where you've consistently won games all season. So that that would be huge, it seems like, from right now in the season to get that national seed. A lot of interesting to see. We need to go get two in Carolina, two at home. And Carolina's playing better as well. Like They just won a series uh, from Vanderbilt, first home series they've lost. Yeah, they should. Um, it's not going to be easy. And then you look at um, Bama to me is just sweepable because they're already out of the tournament. I think the only question there is, is Ole Miss, is this Ole Miss team capable of sweeping an SEC opponent? I don't know. But it, if they're going to do it, it'll be against Bama. could walk in there and just clobber them offensively. Yeah, I mean, you're right. They'll have nothing to play for. I, I don't know. Are, are they going to be out of Hoover at that point as well? Or are they going to be one of the two teams that misses Hoover? They're already out of Hoover. Oh, Alabama's not even going to Hoover. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Then that should you should go in there and sweep and just pad out the SEC record and well, make sure you finish the, second to Florida. They'll go lose the series there. Sometimes. I know, right? I know. And then lose the national seed, and that'll be that. There it is. <laughs> um, so yeah, Did you watch uh, NHL or NBA this weekend? So I watched the first overtime period last night between the Preds and the uh, the Jets, 
and nothing happened, and that turned it off, and the Preds won. Uh, I was driving yesterday, so I didn't watch any of the NBA games yesterday, but I saw a lot of reaction to them. Uh, we talked earlier in the show about LeBron, obviously, but what, what, what stood out to you in those games? LeBron beat the Pacers by himself over a seven-game series. I mean, mm-hmm. Pretty damn remarkable. Sounds like LeBron. Sounds like the LeBron that we know. I'd be interesting. I mean, if he somehow got like past the second round, I don't mm-hmm. think he will. Like that would just be remarkable. Who they who they have next? They have uh, Toronto. Hmm. One seed. I wouldn't expect him to get past it, but right. Stranger things have happened. Do you, do you think LeBron's better than Jordan? I wouldn't say better. I'd say they're different. They're different players. Mm-hmm. Jordan, nobody, nobody wanted to win more than Jordan. Right. I mean, that's like such a simple statement, but he yeah. really he he was a mean, he was the meanest son of a bitch. But he played one te- he played one team. He had um, Phil Jackson coach him. Right. At Scottie Pippen, I think Scottie Pippen was probably. Is Dwayne Wade a top fifty player of all time? I think Scotty was better than Dwayne Wade. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I think even without being being able to name that list, I think Scotty Pippen would come before Dwayne Wade. Yeah, and Dennis Rodman was pretty good in his time as well. Rodman was good. They had all the pieces around him. Mm-hmm. I always felt like it was a different had, era. Had the big three in Miami. I, I think Chris Bosh is a good, not great player. Yeah. So LeBron really carried that team probably a little more than people want to give give credit for, if you will. Yeah, yeah. LeBron's such an incredible generational individual talent. It's If he went somewhere else this offseason and won one more title and won a title with three different franchises, I think that puts him – you sit there and you say he was, you know, clearly top two. You know, you probably put Jordan one A, him one B. They're different. Um, they're they're kind of their own players, if you will. They're, it's not like LeBron's a shooting guard. If he was a shooting mm-hmm. guard, it'd be a, a different bit. But he's yeah. his own damn freak. Well, it kind of seems like he's he's going to have a long line of similar players, right? Like the the power forward point guard combo. It's kind of started think- his own new thing. I think the Western Conference Finals between the Rockets and the Warriors, which I think that's going to happen. Watching the Rockets play the mm-hmm. play the Jazz and uh, and uh, the Warriors play the Pelicans the other night, I think that's probably going to decide this. I don't know who I don't know who gets to the finals from the East, but they're going to be notably overmatched against one of those two teams. Maybe the uh, the Sixers, right? Plus, the Sixers just get unconscious hot and then just stay unconscious. I could see that. But anyway. Missing to see everybody, you know, does LeBron go to the Sixers? Ooh, damn. That would be crazy. I thought the Lakers were, were a possibility there as well. Part of that was predicated on Paul George coming, which Paul George may come. But Paul George was awful. Yeah, I was about to say, the Thunder exit quietly, huh, against the Paul Jazz. Paul George and Chris Bosh 2.0 for LeBron. Kind of this, mm-hmm. eh, quite as good as I thought you were type deal. Mm-hmm. Um, that's right there, right? OKC's out. They lost to the Jazz. Yep. 
Yeah, that sucks. The the great experiment that there was wish, this year. I wish they find a way to build a team around Westbrook. I know, he's so fun to watch, but Player, hasn't so. happened yet. Um, all right, uh, final final question here for you, John. I had the TV on yesterday. I was getting on to watch some Westworld on demand, catch up. Still on SEC Network from uh, Thursday night, watching that LSU game. And so I catch uh, Rally Cap, which is David DeLucci's talk show on SEC Network. Obviously, he's a great uh, TV personality. He's a he charismatic has- guy. What? Like how long is it? Like is it? A, it's about thirty minutes or an hour. I think it's on once a week on Sundays after the games are done. They do recap. They do like the whole around the horn style topic rundown where they discuss. It's him, and uh, I think of a famous SEC softball player. Um, and there's like a moderator type, you know, just SEC Network suit guy there as well. Um, I, I thought Deluxe was doing a good job on it. Um, I I was actually honestly kind of compelled to continue watching like i saw the topics coming up like oh i, I want to see that and they talked about things that it's always interesting to hear players talk about like showing up batters and pitchers and the Lucci reflected some on some mlb memories of his and all that but one thing he said that really uh was strange to me and you know i'm far from a traditionalist but this this seemed beyond the pale the question of speeding up games came up and both the softball, former softball player, current SC Network analyst, and DeLucci both said that they would support seven-inning college baseball games. And to me, that's just is a, an abhorrent thought. But I wanted, to, I wanted to see where you came down on that. Seven-inning college baseball games. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So it's an hour show. It looks like they have Kayla Brand, uh, Kayla Braw, the softball chick. I'm really yeah, sure that's, that's her. Or next week, so be curious. Kind of, it does sound kind of interesting, because that way it's kind of an easy way to keep up with what happened around the league. That way, without having to actually watched the yeah, games. it's actually it's actually pretty decent. Um, and they they put softball in there too, and I mean highlight softball highlights are fun. Um, seven inning, there's it could benefit Ole Miss this year. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> well, I, I disagree. And I don't even have to make an argument. I'm just going to point you to the double header against Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. Seven innings really made a difference. It just it just accelerated the shit show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, I you know I don't have a strong feeling one way or the other. Mm. If they did it, there'd be a transition to kind of how do you balance scholarships? I think a little bit. Because hmm, uh, there's more of an emphasis on uh, well, it would be interesting to see what becomes more important. Because then, do you put more emphasis on offense to try to score more runs early, or do you go for stronger starting pitching? Do you want a couple you, really good relievers? I don't know. Do you bid higher for an ace starter to where you don't have to touch the pin on Friday? Right. Ideally, yeah. I mean, I think that would have to be one aspect of it. Ooh, was ooh, this is gonna sound, this is kind of crazy? Do you go more reliever type? And just say, you know what, I'm going to Johnny Holstaff it on the third game because it's only seven innings. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's a possibility if your guys had a good weekend up till then, you have everybody available. Yep. Do you? It would be interesting. I. Uh, is it better for everybody's he- for the pitcher's health? Cause yeah, have... I think the MLB would probably like it, right? I mean, less less wear on the players. Yep, I would agree. But at the same time, they're going to turn around and play them. 
a hundred times a year for three years before they even maybe get caught up to the majors. So I don't know how much the MLB really cares about that. I, I don't. I don't think it material. I don't think it would have as big of an impact on the games as people think it would. Okay. You would other than like an an ace, it would be easier for an ace to go deeper into the game. That's probably the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It and, may be because of the scholarship and less total runs. I'm sure. I mean, the offense would be a little less. You would probably productive. see a few more random upsets because it's easier for the right. inferior mm-hmm. to get less. Do, but I don't know. I just I think it's too weird. I mean, in baseball, you start messing with it that much. That's kind of like the oh. whole runner on second, the ninth inning thing. Oh. It just seems like that. it just seems and wrong. Then, I mean, if you're preparing these, if these guys, if you're preparing these guys for the big leagues, you got to go. Yeah, and you honestly, Delucci didn't speak much on it. I would have loved to hear a longer explanation. He basically just said, you know, you want to speed the games up. That's an easy way to do it. Um, but I would love to hear more of how he thinks it would relate to the MLB game and all of that. That is interesting that he's bas- they're basically saying, you know, just because is there an argument that current games go too long mm-hmm. for what fans want, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Which I, if you can get the game done in three hours, I think you're okay. It seems but like when you it- don't need to take off innings, you need to fix the replay process and then speed up every pitch, what they're trying to do with the pitch clock and all. That just makes more sense. <laughs> clock is good they take they don't take a ton of time between innings but the replays have replaced it the replay thing is stupid honest to god either get rid of it or if you wanted to have one challenge a game i could Mm -hmm. stand that but i cannot it pisses me off when they're reviewing some dumb call in the second inning going this is the first of five times this game they're going to do this yeah well then even after the four coaches challenges are exhausted the the booth if a coach gets mad the the crew on the field will generally give them a review late in the game anyway like it's why can't that always be the system why can't instead of coaches challenges the crew decides if it needs to be reviewed or not based on how close they think it was i i mean i don't know it's a it's a it's a slippery slope because SEC officiating is so bad. Do you really want to give them more power? I don't know. But the, how, the replays this year have been not good. They have slowed how, the game down. How is Bama last in the West with all these replays? <laughs> uh, what's that guy's name? The the uh, you, you know what it is. You know what that is. I'm being dead serious with this statement. Okay. They have to, like, this is their reason to point to say, hey, we're not biasing this Bama. Right. The entire Bama baseball program just exists to prove that the football stuff is legitimate, right? Plausible. Just a big big smoke screen. Plausible. Yeah, and if that doesn't work, they will 100% sacrifice Avery Johnson's team. They don't give a shit. Exactly. (laughs) All right, John. Uh, You got anything else you want to talk about this week? No, that's enough. Most things, the hot hockey and the NBA rolling along here will be interesting. Although, I don't, I think the NBA would be pretty entertaining right now. I think the finals are going to be pretty damn boring. I think whichever West team gets out of there. Hmm. Yeah, you may be, you might be right about that. Plus, yeah. just get silly hot. That would be the only real. That would be fun. I mean, if the Raptors shocked everybody and won it, would that would no? I just can't get behind that. I think 76ers from the East have the best shot, right? And then everybody would start tanking going forward. Like, for five. <laughs> Trust the process. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, all right, good stuff. Well, thanks for listening to the show, guys. Um, you know all the normal stuff we say here at the end. Uh, maybe we'll get a. Oh yeah, yeah. We're, I was gonna say maybe we'll get a guest next week. I think we might be doing a special show next week uh, on the occasion of the Auburn series, but I won't say too much. We'll see. Um, you might might be in for a little crossover episode of uh, two of your favorite boutique podcasts. We'll call it cult podcast, small podcast is another way to describe them. Uh, so be on the lookout for that next week. Um, of course, if you like the show, you can always rate and review us on iTunes. That uh, that actually really helps us find new listeners, all that stuff. Um, if you're not an iPhone user, I suggest you download the SoundCloud app. Uh, you can listen to our show there. Um, all that kind of stuff. I was actually just thinking, I need to, I'm going to have our URL, landtalksafterdark.com, redirect to that SoundCloud page soon. So I haven't been updating the website. So another way you can find it. All that boring administrative stuff. You know how it goes. Um, but that's it, guys. We'll call it there. Thanks for listening. Uh, tune in again next week, and we'll bring you some more news. John, thanks, man. I'm Justin. We'll talk to you later. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.